so the honeys can squeeze in We about to take a trip today Through the city that they call LA But hey, I fire up the funk and then just chill All right, what's happening? This is Coop DeVille. This is Field Talk, episode three. Y'all, I hope y'all been following us because, uh, you know, we got some good stuff to talk about. We ain't just trying to do a podcast just to, to have some shit to do. You know, we out here trying to, you know, make a difference. And today, I got a very special guest, a, a good friend of mine that, you know, been out on the comedy circuit, out there, a businessman. Uh, somebody who I respect a whole lot, and we just gonna, you know, gonna let it rip. But I guarantee you, by the end of our presentation, you are gonna have some action steps. It's gonna be some things that that we can all do as a people to get ahead. We ain't just wasting your time, but we hope you have fun in the meantime. But y'all talking about right now is uh, actually I want him to introduce himself. I just call him Cali Cat. Carl, you know, <laughs> so I, I, I usually say Cali Cow because I'm thinking about California, you know, but, uh, yeah. you know, hopefully y'all can just, this be audio because if you look at video, he might not look like uh, he, he, he deserves it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> My man, go ahead, man. Tell me a little bit about yourself, man. Well, yo, what's up, Coop DeVille, man? I appreciate you having me on the podcast and everything. You know, you're looking beautiful, man. Beautiful. Good backdrop. Appreciate Sun it, hitting your face just right. You know what I'm saying? There it is. There it is. I see the squirrel in your backyard. I'm uh, <laughs> Kali Kyle uh, from yeah. the ATL. Man, I started doing comedy back in the 90s, you know, back in the day at Comedy Act Theater when – you know, yeah, some of the bigs back then, man. Chris Tucker, Robin Harris. Who was some of the big, you know, huh? Who you think some of the big people were back then? That you, you, uh, you know, Chris Tucker was back then, and you know, uh, Jamie Foxx was hanging out up in there, and uh, Robin Harris. Uh, wow. Who else? Yeah, man. Uh, my buddy uh, Jamario is Jamario. You know, we were roommates. You know about that? You know, Jamario messed up my towels, man. <laughs> my bad. That's Jamario used to mess up my towels. You know, we were roommates, man. You know what I'm saying? I had oh, them black man. decorative towels, man. And he used to carry his laundry in those towels, man. I didn't appreciate that. You know, you got towels in your bathroom that people are not supposed to use, right? It's just <laughs> yeah. a decoration. And then you got the towels that you dry off with, right? And I Damn. had one specifically on the side that you dry off with. And he decided to take my pretty towels to the laundromat. You know Damn. I mean? yeah, that yeah. Get that off my chest. It's been there for a minute. But he can't say we don't know nothing about Jamario no more, because now we know <laughs> he be doing up the damn towel. <laughs> and you said they were black towel? They were black? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, the you black towel with, black. The pretty, with the pretty uh, etching on them. You know what I'm saying? The kind you know, how, how can a black person mess up a black towel? <laughs> I mean, what the hell? You can't see the dirt, damn. Yeah, you know, I mean, check it out, man. You know how towels don't, black towels, when you touch them, they get lint on them. My towels had no lint on them. None. Damn. You understand? Damn. And when we got done, they had all them lint balls on there, man. Damn. Oh, man. That's what I'm going to call them next time. Hey, you know what? That's funny because you know what his real name is, uh, what? Lester, what? Uh, oh, uh, shit. Jermaine's real name? Man, yeah, you get me now. You take me back. But it's start with a B. LB, right? It's an LB, something. 
And that's his uh, real name. So I'm going to call him LB. He's going to be thinking I'm saying his real name. But I'm going to be calling him Lint Balls. I'm going to make him Lint Balls. He's going to think I'm calling stories, his real name. Man. I, I swore yeah. to old to keep him, man. So, you know, but yeah, I go back, man. I, I did comedies back in the 90s. And then I put it down for a minute to raise my kids and do a little retail management job for about 30 years. And, you know, got my last daughter out the house. You know, graduated college and uh, decided to pick that dream back up, man. You know what, bro? I take hey, I take my hat off to you. I really do because I know you're funny and I know you're funny back then. You know, yeah, and for you to sit here and say, you know, you put your dream aside to raise your kids and family, dude. You know how deep that is, especially as a black man. Now, let yeah. me let me react some of the people. On the, uh, about how we do this podcast thing, how we do this little okay. uh, project. Like, yeah, we got this thing called ST, right? ST, if you heard the first episode, second episode, ST means shit talk. Okay? <laughs> yeah, dude. And, and the reason why it came about, I'll tell you again, this old lady, I took, she knew I was doing comedy. She had seen me on the news. You know, guys, I've been on the news over 20 different times. Different, uh, I've been over 50 magazines, you know, because of the books I've written and things that I've done. And oh, so when things are blowing up, the, yeah. So when things are blowing up, the late the lady put me aside. I call her grandma. She said, "Make sure that when you really get what you want to get to, don't be about the st." I said, "What is st?" She said, "Shit talk." You know, don't be just you know. I said, "What is a shit talk?" She said, "People who just talking shit but ain't doing shit." Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. And then she started naming some people. I'm not gonna put no names out there, but naming some of these big time so called civil rights leaders or. And people that you hear today on the radio talking about all this stuff when something happened, she said they ain't number bunch of STs because they ain't created nothing. They ain't created nothing that our people can benefit from. And they've been out here for 20 some years, 30 some years, and that's all they're doing is talk. Do you, yeah. do you feel what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, so she said, she said, don't be about shit talk. I said that to say, Carl, bruh. Funny man, you ain't talk. You ain't about talking shit. You talking about doing it, and for you to break away from comedy, what you love, to raise your family, uh, that's the most, you know, noble thing that you can do. Because you know, a lot of black men, you know, gonna look out for themselves or people in general. Maybe I shouldn't even say black men. Maybe I'm being a, a racist, which is what we're gonna talk about too a little, uh, yeah. in, in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, to me, man, like again, I take my hat off to you. How many, how many kids you got, bro? Man, I got four kids, four grands. You know, once I found out how to make them, brother, I, I did a pretty good job. I think, man, you know. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I thought you. I saw you a picture of your daughter today about her, her birthday. Was it today or yesterday? Uh, that was on. The, that was actually on the seventh, man. My youngest daughter, she turned twenty six, man. I'm really proud of her. Uh, okay, so that was like four, about a week ago, then, right? Yeah, just a week seven. ago. Yeah, about a week ago. Okay. Yeah, the seventh. Right. She loved that seven seven, man. But, there you uh, go, yeah, man. I really appreciate you saying that because uh, you know it. It it took some sacrifices. You know, and then, you know, I went through some emotional roller coasters. I think a lot of people don't understand that comedians do go through emotional roller coasters and we experience life just like they do. We just process it different. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, one of my and, favorite uh, man. I, I, I always love DL. I don't mean to interrupt, you, but I love DL, man. I love the fact that he's bold and what he stands for and stuff like that. And and he was talking about how he, you know, he said he he wouldn't never with his kids on Christmas and some and some of the holidays because he's working. Yeah. And he sounds like he's he's regretting that. And you know, when we look at us, now we ain't been out there on that big scale like them. But both of us can honestly say we've been with our kids every holiday and and was able to be there every day for them to to grow pretty much and and become successful. And right now that matters. It mean, you know, yeah. it, it really matters. Well, so. it's important, man. I remember, you know, as a retail manager at uh, Home Depot, man, I, I was the one responsible for answering the emergency calls. And I got an emergency call on Christmas Day one time, man, and had to answer. And I, and I worked like an hour away. Right. So my kids had to wait till I got back, man, before they opened their gifts. And that was just a, a sad situation walking in the door, looking at the kids, looking, sitting on the couch like dad, You know, what's up? It's Christmas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey. You know what I mean? But at least you was able to be there. And uh, I know they, they, they appreciate that. So to all the black men out here, you know, don't don't neglect your children, man. Uh, go out of your way to be there. And I hope that a lot of parents, women out here, will understand the importance of that, too. You know what I mean? See, fortunately, you married, right? Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. You're still married? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, man. I'm still married. See, for me, it's been 26 years. How many years have you been married? Well, I had a split, man. I had a previous marriage, you know? All inclusive. All inclusive. You know, I'll tell the truth, man, because, you know, part of being married and then not married and then married again, you got that child support in there. That's part of taking care of those kids. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not just the yeah. child support, but you got to leave your children tips. You know? Yeah. If you don't tip somebody <laughs> so at the restaurant. How many kids did you have with your first wife? Uh, we got two together, man. You know? Was she one of them type of women who wouldn't let you see the kids or what? No, uh, well, you know, they some of them use it as a strong arm, you know, as leverage, but it happens that way, you know, and, and that's okay. Eventually, yeah. what happens is kids know your heart, man. If you got a good heart, your kids gonna stay connected to you. You know, nobody well, I'm can take you, them from you. Yeah, that's right. So you gotta put something in, but I'll tell you something, man. I don't think it's okay. I know you probably just saying that whimsically, you just saying that's okay. I don't think it's okay for, for women to to you know hold the kids hostage or hold them over their, their dad's head here because of whatever they have yeah. gone through. You know, <laughs> let that be your mom your, your mom and dad, y'all relationship. Don't put them kids in there, man. They yeah. they definitely need both parents. And uh, unfortunately that's a rarity in our community. Yeah. You know, and, and I think it ties into what we see today. You know, what yeah. we see today with Black Lives Matter, with the marching and the protest and, and all this stuff that's happening, man. Uh, I did a little study the other day, and it was talking about how I think 80% of the, these black males who've been shot by police come from single-parent homes. 70% was in prison have been in, yeah. in jail or in prison at some point. So you kind of ask yourself, what would it be like if they, you know, just because they're single parent don't mean that the father wasn't in their life, but I, I, I would gauge to think that they probably didn't have a strong man in their life. Yeah. So 
but you saying you've been there is very important. And, well, and that's why I say I don't think it's okay. So well, you know, on the personal side, man, I you know, I was raised by a single parent. I had to assume the alpha male position early in life. I was just talking about this earlier with uh, another comedian, you know, that I had to grow up fast, man, and learn how to cook at a young age and do my clothes, you know, everything to help mom out because sometimes people just walk away, man. And 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 there you are, you in charge and you're a leader at a young age, man. It's a lot of responsibility. And some that of the guys is. in life can't handle that, man. Yeah, that's that is. And I'm glad you shared that. So we're gonna go into uh this episode three segment of um Veal Talk, which I really would like to call it, or we're gonna call it black on black racism. You know, okay. Is, is there such a thing? Is there such a thing called black? on black racism. I'm not talking about black on black racism because I, as I studied this topic, I was listening to Michael Eric Dyson, a whole bunch of other people talk about black people can't be racist. They can't, you know, for whatever reason, you know, and I'm thinking they're talking about black people being racist towards white people, mm -hmm. you know, which is a whole nother animal. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about are there black people out here that look at another black person and when they look at them or treat, or they look at that black person, they automatically look at them and treat them less than they would a white person. Does that exist? Do you yeah. know of any situation? Yeah, think? I, I think, yeah, I think it, it exists, man. I think it actually starts from, you know, childhood. And, and, and it's when you, when you look at the word racism, it's, that's another way of saying division, man. I think that we're divided because of our differences, whether it be somebody living in a different neighborhood that might be better than yours, you know, or whether it be the color of their skin, maybe they're light, lighter skin or darker tell skin. Me tell, tell, tell me something. Oh, so you're saying with black people is, is light skin, dark skin that we kind of no, treat it, each other. It's not necessarily the skin color. I think it's just whatever that difference is that you feel like yours is better, you know, yeah. I had a guy one time I talked to, man, and I was making a comment about my kids. You know, my previous uh, was mixed. She was Puerto Rican and black, and my kids had, you know, wavy hair and stuff, man. And and I was just making a comment. I said, you know, my kids got some good hair. And, you know, and his, his son was there. His son had a tight box haircut, which looked nice, but he looked at me, man, and he bowled up, and he said, so what you saying, my son don't have good hair? I'm like, no, oh, wow. that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying wow. that my opinion was my kids wow. have good hair. And he says, well, you, you know, you just said that in front of my son and he's going to have a complex about how his hair look. I said, look, man, to me, good hair is having hair. I was bald headed at the time. Like I'm bald headed now up under this hat. But I'm just saying that little bit of quick division of separation of him feeling like, OK, my son don't have this curly hair like your kids. So you're saying his hair is not good. You see wow. what I'm saying? Just that yeah. quick division came in, man. So he felt, you know? he felt, you know, kind of disrespected. Do you, yeah. I tell you what, do you, do you think he had a reason to? you think he should have said that to you or should just act like it didn't happen? Well, I think, man, and I, I'm going to say this because I got all kinds of friends. I got, you know, black friends. I got white, Hispanic, Indian, et cetera. You know, and one thing I could say about Caucasian, you can correct me if you feel differently. They ask a whole lot of questions, man. 
you know, yeah. when I used to go to the store with my mom and I asked a question or something, she might say, we're going in this store. Don't ask nothing. Be quiet. We're going to shop. You know, don't don't ask yeah. me for anything. You know, yeah. but then I see, you know, a white lady come in with her kids and little Johnny asking a question, you know, why are we in here? Oh, let me tell you, little Johnny, the plumbing plumber is coming by. And he's going to get the, the uh, yeah. toilet stew. Yeah. And yeah. We're in here to buy the O-ring that we need for the toilet stew to repair it. His name's going to be Bob. When Bob comes to the house, you say hello to Bob. You. I got you. I you know, got you. black person say, I'm in the store. Shut your mouth. Don't ask me no questions. Keep your hands wow. on the buggy. Right? Listen, yeah, I was telling <laughs> in the first episode, I was talking about this book I read, man, uh, uh, that talked about something like that. This brother had got served time in prison, uh, a yeah. long time, a long stand in prison. I wish I could think of the name of the book. And he was talking about how he had a complex almost from the same thing what you're saying. He said that he would go to the mall and you know how you go to the mall, you got stuff you could play with and, and kids run around in the mall, right? Yeah. He said when he ran around in the mall, his mom would snatch him and spank him and tell him, don't go over there and have him don't run around here. But yeah. then, and then when you look around, you see white kids running and jumping and playing. Everywhere. And, you know, Everywhere. Kids, like, hey, mama, what the hell? You know who? But you don't say what the hell. Yeah. You don't say what the hell, not that you want to get the hell knocked out of you, but you say, Mom, yeah. <laughs> why are you tripping? You know, you know, I mean, for real. Yeah. And then little Johnny, little Johnny have, have you know, have him spend the night. Say, man, wh why does your mom do that to you? You know, you don't have to take that. I don't even let my mom come <laughs> in my room. I shut my door and I get my privacy. You know, no, wow. not, not me. One of my kids tried to lock me out their bedroom. I said, do it again. I'll take the hinges off this door. Hell you don't yeah. have a door in your bedroom. We yeah, just we, we just do things different. <laughs> so we do we do stuff differently and what you said, you know, we look at stuff differently, you know, and I don't want to think that that's us being racist towards each other. Yeah. You know, but when I especially, you know, everybody's talking about systematic racism right now. I don't want to think we're being racist, but we are in a sense being at least ignorant. And that's another part of uh systematic racism. It's not necessarily that you are intentionally racist, you know, or intentionally hateful. Sometimes mm -hmm. you could be that, you know, treat somebody differently and not know it. Do we as black people not know that we have some of the same tendencies that white people have against us, our own self? Do we as black people know or understand that we too discredit each other, yeah. dislike each other? and disrespect each other, you know, the same way that some of the other people do. Do we not know that, or is that a reality? I think it is a reality. You know, I went to a restaurant, and man, I, and I hate to say it, sometimes I go to restaurants and I see a waiter, and I know if it's a black waiter or black female, I, you know, let me sit up straight, let me, say, I don't want them to say nothing bad about, it's like, you, 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 you know, I don't know, man, we, we have a long way to go, and I'm hoping, through this particular broadcast, I want people to know we're not just going to be lollygagging going back and forth. We want to, you know, towards the end of this, you know, this hour that we have now, almost 30 minutes. So we want to make sure we can try to come up with some suggestions. What can black people do? What can we do? And notice, I am specifically saying black people. I'm not yeah. saying we as Americans or all people. Hell no, I'm talking about what can black people do? We can control what we do. Right. You know what I'm saying? Our great great grandkids will be alive, you know, can be alive a hundred years from now, and they'll still be trying to control what white people do, you know, and how they treat us. 
we can't control that, but we can control how we treat each other. So I'm hoping that through this episode three of Bill Talk, we can all come up with some suggestions of what can we do? How can we treat each other as a body? You know what I mean? As a, yeah. I can listen, Carl. Funny man, I can tell you all day long about how to eat right, and I can pray and hope and sing songs and hold your hand and do all that, hoping that you would eat right. Yeah. But I can't make you eat right. Mm-mm. What's the one person in the whole world, the one body that I can ensure can eat right? My own. That's right. Because I put stuff in there. And that's what I'm hoping that we will be able to do through our talks, our presentations. Stop looking so much at what white people are doing, how other people are treating us. Let's look at what we're putting into our own body. That makes sense? Yeah, yeah it makes a lot of sense, man. I, I think what I learned, man, and I think God really blessed me um, with my daughters, man, because before my daughters, I was really militant, man. No military background, but I was really militant. And my daughters, what they taught me describe, is how- Hold on, Carl. Describe to me what militant is, because I got a different picture in my mind. What is militant in your mind when you say you were militant? I was very over aggressive with my kids, you know, wouldn't allow them to talk. If, if I assumed that they did a certain thing, I would cut them off, you know, and not them, not let them share their feelings with me, you know, and I got to where my daughters taught me a lot of sensitivity where, you know, if you touch, like, I'll give you an example. I was wrestling with my son throwing him up and down and then my one of my younger daughters wanted to play and I I just picked her up and dropped her on the couch and she started crying and I was oh, like wow. wow man I just dropped you I, I mean I didn't really wrestle with you and that taught me you know what I need to be a little more gentle with her and and listen you know what I'm saying it taught me a moment yeah. of, of listening to her and and I learned at that point that I need to be a little bit more sensitive not only to my daughters but to my son because I would overpower him and talk over him and he would just shut down on me. You know what I'm saying? And it got to the point where once I began to listen more and I would say a simple thing, like what happened and then just let him talk, you know, yeah. don't say, what were you doing? You know, you wrong. You'd run it down this house. I told you not to run in this house and go back down in the bottom of the basement and do yeah. what I told you, you know, all that kind of stuff, man. And, and I think for, for black men, man, one of the things we have to do is we have to learn to become better listeners, man, and process wow. what what we're listening to. You know, they say they got statistics out to say a woman's the average woman speaks 20,000 words a day. The average man speaks 5,000. So they speak three times as many words as we do, which means we have to use our ears more. Right. Wow. We have yeah. to listen more. And I think learning to listen man and 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 open up and ask a person you know hey man tell me about yourself you yeah. know you know because i had this envy thing against light-skinned curly-haired dudes man because i had a chick dump me in the ninth grade man you know <laughs> after we spent all summer loving and kissing on each other we didn't go past the kissing loving and kissing on each other in the first day of school she asked me to carry her books and i didn't because my class was like right there and she dumped me, man. And wow. what the moral of the story was, it wasn't she dumping me because I was doing something wrong with the book. She dumped me because she had her eyes on that curly haired dude. 
Oh, I had racism against curly haired, light skinned dudes, man. Oh, wow. Okay. You know what I'm saying? From that day yeah. forward, I was like, I was hating on dudes with curly hair, man. I was hating on these skinny, pretty guys, <laughs> man. Even in, in, in comedy and going to auditions, I would see the pretty guys. Oh, they're going to they gonna get this audition. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you hey, who said they're pretty? See, you said light skinned curly head, then you said pretty. Hey, hey. I saw I'm a saying, light skinned curly head dude look like a a a, a, a muskrat in the face. I'm just know? saying, I'm just saying what the girls, you know, how the girls it, it cornered me that day, man, and she had a support system to dump me, bruh. A wow. support system, girlfriends on the side. You know well, what I mean? Listen. Yeah, and I see what you, I see what you're saying. There's a whole bunch of uh, differences within our own race, you know, and things that we have to handle our own self. Just imagine, as a as a total race, you have to deal with our, what we deal with on the inside, but also deal with all the stuff that we get from other races. Because believe me, other white people who are really racist and and and, and don't like you, they don't care if you light skin, black, uh, dark skin, black, or blue skin, black. If you black, you black. And people who who have uh, that animosity and disdain and hatred and racism towards us? Basically, they they just put it all in love. You know, I'm serious. You know, so well, we man. got two or three ways. We got hatred within because I'm. I'm gonna but, tell you. Look. Uh, let, let me tell you when I first realized that that there was a lot of racism. I hate to say it, for lack of a better word, I'm saying racism or disparities. Yeah. Uh, how can I say uh, there's a bunch of disparities with our own races when I went to Payne College in Augusta in, okay. in the 80s. Okay. Uh, coming from the Midwest, I go to Payne College. This is supposed to be a black school. It is a black school, HBCU. Shouldn't be no uh, no differences, none of that. White people treating you bad. You know, we all here. Yeah. But when I got there, it's kind of like what you said. You had those people from the city. Then you had those people from the country. You had yeah. those people who were athletes, those who were not athletes. You had those really, those, those light-skinned ones, who, those <laughs> non-light-skinned You had those who you knew had money because they had cars and dressed differently, and you had those who didn't have. So it was all this stuff that we were dealing with, and not saying that we disliked each other because of that, but we did know that, that there were some differences. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, well, well but, man, I mean, you know, to go through that, that's kind of different. I mean, when you look at the animals, man, like the lion, man, and you got the lion is coming around, then you get another lion coming around. The lion can have a different, different mane, right? He can have a different color in his mane, but he's still a lion. And the initial lion is saying, hey, why are you around my lioness? That's the thing. See, when they brought yeah. us over from the boat, bro, they took these beautiful black people off this boat and put them on this soil and those white women yeah. saw these beautiful black men you understand yeah. what i'm saying and they saw hey, how sexy these beautiful black men are and then the white hey, guy's like you ain't ground. supposed to be looking at him like that i know <laughs> it, it kind of backfired didn't it it's like you know oh, okay Lero, i need you to go over and put your pull your pants up why <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy white men brought us over here for us to be dogs and treated out, and they realize, hey, why are you looking at him, Susan? Well, he got. No, I'm not going to go there. I need Leroy to bring there. some sugar in the house. 
I'm not going to go there. Let, let, me, let me change it up a little bit, uh, brother. Go ahead. Go uh, ahead, brother. We, we, we spent that first 30 minutes talking about it, you know, ourselves and, and the differences between blacks and whites and, and sometimes our, our own insecurities or, or differences that we have within ourselves. This last part, I want to talk about what can we do as a people? What are some things we can do and uh, what what it would take? And I'm going to tell you this as I introduce this segment. My name is Coop DeVille, my comedy name, but my name is, my, my, my birth name is Larry DeVille. And you can look me up on the internet. You will see stuff from back in the day. If you see me now, I got, I'm bald here. My cheek, my 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 jaws and everything filled up. But there was a time when a fool, I had an man. Afro a fool and was, man. I'm a fool <laughs> man. Try not to say that. That's too big, you know. But 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 it was a time when I was a little skinny guy with Afro. But during that time, I was little still man, out here trying to make a difference. And I've been out here over thirty years, not just talking about black people and 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 the difference is, but how can we make our community better? How can we make those young people uh, have better desires to, to, to be successful so that they won't be one of these people on the street getting shot by police or, or getting even in, in position? Now, I know all shootings are not the same. I know that there are situations where a black man ain't doing nothing but breathing, walking down the street or or doing whatever, and he gets shot just for being black. But I also know that there are situations where, you know, yeah, we do do stuff, but I'm not saying it's justified in, in taking a life, but sometimes we do put ourselves in those positions. My desire and my goal was to work with those young people who are more likely to find themselves in that position, meaning that they're dropping out of school, they're fighting, you know, we know who the hardhead kids are in the neighborhood. Come on now. Right. We got certain kids that we, we sit around. If they got in trouble or got locked up, we wouldn't even be surprised. We'd be like, damn, it's, it's a matter of time. We knew it was going to happen. Those yeah. type of kids I like working with. And um, I remember, you talking about light skin, curly hair. There was this man <laughs> who was running for sheriff in DeKalb County. Not well, running for sheriff. He was, he was a sheriff. You probably know what I'm talking about. He was a sheriff uh, in the cat county. I mean, Burnett. And I had um, had the largest mentoring program in, this, in the county of Burnett. Had over 3,000 students in 28 different schools. And I told them to give me those kids who are on the verge of getting kicked out. And I felt that this program and this mindset needed to, to expand throughout the, the country, especially throughout our state. So this sheriff was running for senator, black guy, light-skinned, curly hair, you know what I'm talking about. And I called him. I said, you running for senator, sir. I said, my name is Larry Bill. I, I, I have a mentoring program in the schools, and I want to be able to get this in the DeKalb the County. And I think it's just something that can help your campaign because it's really needed right now. This dude, man, this is what he said to me. Yeah. And it's, it was so insulting. It was so hurtful that if I was a com if I was not a comedian, yeah, it could have caused a brother to commit suicide. Wow, that's how serious. Yeah, I'm serious. Wow. That's a keep in mind. I'm a black man 
in Gwinnett County, which is not so much a black county, had the largest mentoring program in Gwinnett. I won best minority nonprofit in the whole Gwinnett County. That's okay. huge, man. That is yeah, I, I had I had three books out and a curriculum. So I called it, I go to this man, you running for Senate, let me talk to you about what we can do on a broader scale, and hopefully this can help your campaign. This dude said this to me. He said, this is over the phone. He said, listen, I, I don't really know who you are, but I, I know what you do, what you're talking about, but let me tell you something. He said, I was listening to T.D. Jakes earlier, and T.D. Jakes said that when you are striving to do something big, it's like driving down the street in a car, you may see a gnat, and that gnat get in your car. He said, if you focus on that gnat and try to swing at that gnat, you can crash and not reach your destination. He said, let me tell you something, brother. He said, you are a gnat to me. Oh, boy. That's literally what he said. That's he it. said, you are a gnat to me. And you talking about somebody who was like, first of all, I was shocked. I'm a black man. You're a black man. Our kids are getting shot in the street. Our kids are getting kicked out of school left and right. Our, our single mothers are pulling their hair out, trying to find programs and, and, and projects that would teach their young men to be successful. Mm -hmm. I know I have the largest one in the state of Georgia. And that's all I am to you is a gnat. Wow. I am a gnat. And you looked up to this cat, right? I looked up to him tremendously. You know, in fact, I had met him. I hadn't met him, but I had seen him at New, at, when I was going to Newburgh. He came yeah. and spoke. And one thing he said really shocked me. He said the jail over on Memorial Drive, which he was the sheriff of over there, right? Yeah. The jail. He said that jail has to be at 80%. He said, if that jail is not at 80%, heads will roll. That's verbatim. So they have to keep that jail at 80%. Wow. So who you think they're trying to fill it up with 80% of? Oh, the exact kids that I'm trying to help. So to him, I'm, I'm just a gnat. you rather lock them up than to entertain somebody who's changing their lives. That, that hurt me a lot. Because we always hear people talking about Black Lives Matter. We always hear people talking about what Black people need to do for themselves. We always hear people saying that Black kids are this way and that way because they, they don't have fathers. But when you have people who are actually doing something to change that, and all they are to, to you are, is a gnat, it, I'm speechless. You know, um, and I just thank God that I'm a comedian. Yeah, I'm, I thank yeah. God that I'm a comedian. I know how to take my negativity and turn it into material. That's the good thing about being a, a comic, man, being able to process things a little differently than, than I don't want to say normal people because we're just different, man. Our DNA is different, man. And I'm glad you processed that a little different, man, and, and didn't go on the violent stream. But, you know, more than times, man, uh, I learned that people focus on numbers and they, they get lost in the in the numbers of things and they, and they don't see people for people, man. And you saw those young men for who they are, but he saw them as just numbers, man. And, and, and somebody that can fill up, not a jail, let's call it a hotel. You know, he didn't want no vacancies, you know, yeah. and, he, and he didn't care about changing somebody's lives. He wanted to, to, to pull people off the streets, even though they, they pull the ones, you know, they, they, 
I want to say this, man. I fit the description twice in my life, okay? Say that again. I fit the description twice in my life. Okay. You understand? Yeah. And was pulled over for a couple times for fitting a description. And I can only imagine how many guys fit a description and they're taken in on that description, but it wasn't them. You know, yeah. fortunately, I was able to prove who I was, but what if I didn't, man? I know. Not to go off on a side road, but there's so many people that are being picked up and put into positions that they shouldn't be in, man. And, and I'm glad that you were making a difference. It's just that you ran to somebody that had the wrong heart, man. His, 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 uh, his agenda was just to be centered. Yeah. And his agenda was to get those numbers, keep those numbers that everybody wanted. Yeah. And don't focus on the other things. And you know, I'm going to tell you something, by the way, there's a bright spot to that story, too. The nigga didn't win, so, yeah. So, it was a bright spot. <laughs> <laughs> so, we had to worry about having his ass in office to try to destroy <laughs> other people. So, that's, hey, that's man, what I can't you know. say, you know. But, it, unfortunately, unfortunately, it's a that's common. I run into yeah. that a lot. I, I talked about winning Best Minority Nonprofit in Gwinnett County. When I won that, which I didn't ask to win because I'm too busy working to be trying to enter some damn contest, but people knew what I was doing. So they, they uh, awarded me that. And when you get that award, you're supposed to, businesses are supposed to come together and give money in a pot for that nonprofit that wins best minority nonprofit in Gwinnett County. Right. Well, I won in 2010 and I'm thinking to myself, wow, okay, cool. I'm going to be able to get, you know, some donations and stop having to spend my own money, my kids' savings, and all that yeah. stuff to really do. I can make a difference. When I won, and I'm thinking that the people in the county are going to give money and I'm going to be able to do this, guess how much money they gave in this pot when they found that? out that when they found out my mission was to really help black kids, really help all kids, but yeah. most of the kids I was dealing with, I admit, were black getting kids. They, when they re realized that, out of the whole Gwinnett County, largest school system in the state of Georgia, they only put in two hundred dollars. Woo! Two. That was probably one person. No, one man. person put in a hundred. Oh my goodness, man! And listen, bro. When I asked the guy who actually was leading the the the, the charge for this organization, I said, "Why did they just give me two hundred for?" Winning best minority nonprofit. What did they just give me two hundred? He said. He said. Be honest with you, Larry. It's because people don't care about what you do. Yeah. He said people don't care. You have some black boys stay in school. The ones who are getting in trouble. People feel that if they're getting in trouble, they need to be locked up. They need to be kicked Man. out. They don't need to be helped. This is what was told to me verbatim, bro. You know, oh. so when I say Bill Talk, the reason why I did this podcast, I'm saying Bill Talk, and I got a model where action speaks. We want action to speak, and we wanted to speak positive by changing hearts. And we also wanted to speak against those people and organizations that are coming against what is right. You know, yeah. what is right. Every child deserves yeah. to be supported, to be helped. Because ain't none of us, ain't none of our ass is perfect. Ain't none yeah. of us did sit around did everything we were supposed to do all the time the right way. But yet we all have had who've been successful. We've all had somebody who believed in us, 
at some point and gave us a chance. Well, so why I'm the hell that, we, we're not pushing for that? Well, I'm just happy that you care, man. That's the key word, care, man. When you said that they said these people don't care about what you do, man. That's the bottom line. Yeah. They got to care, man. And if you don't have someone to support you by caring, then it's just not going to be there. You know, the, the fun's not going to be there. You know, it's like taking up an offering at a church. If people don't care, they ain't going to give, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's got to be I mean, it's a great you. cause. Go ahead. Yeah, and I'm gonna tell you great cause, man. I'm still doing things. So if they people want to go to my website, they can go to bigcusa.com, b-i-g-c-u-s-a.com, which is uh, big C believing in Georgia's children, usa.com. Because yeah. I'm not gonna let the naysayers and the haters stop me from doing what I I know need to be done for our young people. So I'm gonna ask you something real quick. If and again. I want you to introduce yourself, introduce your name, uh, and tell me where can we find you on the internet and all that stuff, and then I'm going to ask you a question after that. Okay, okay, yeah. Once again, man, I'm I'm Carly Carl uh, from the ATL. My Instagram is Carly Carl underscore himself. Um, how I got the name Carly Carl. Uh, when I first started doing comedy, man, I I used to have this image of being like other comedians you know, impersonating and acting like different people. And uh, one day I had this this moment, a prayer moment, where I feel like God changed my name. And Carly Carl means Carl E. And then Carl again means to be yourself. And what I learned uh, when I, I met this guy, which is um, a producer over in South Africa, man, he's uh, Zulu. And he said, hey, man, did you know that Carly Carl mean man who cries Christ? That took on a whole different meaning for me. So I'm really proud to be not just a comedian, but a believer at the same time. Hey, man, I love it, bro. You're going to have me shouting out here in a minute. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad, man. Yeah. yeah. yeah so we, we did talk about that. There's a lot of things that we, we hope that the listeners will go out and make a difference in their own community, in their own families, and go out and try to make some changes, knowing that you can do it. You don't need to wait on nobody. You don't need to have a group of people. You don't have to go out tearing out, out the community and, and tearing down stores and do all that. We know that God has placed us all here to do something. So look for that something that can help somebody else. So um, as we close, as we get ready to wrap up Bill Talk, <laughs> I want to bring some current news to you, brother. I want well, Larry, can I ask you something real quick, man? Up. Do you know? Go ahead. Can I ain't got no money, ask you something real Go quick? If this yeah. guy, and I know you didn't say his name, if this guy thought that you was a gnat, I want to know what size truck was this nigga driving. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you, you know, you're a big dude, man. And I, I really appreciate. As your friend, man, the fact that you didn't give up, that you continue to believe in what you're doing, man. Don't let nobody take your confidence, man. I believe in you. You understand? And I appreciate you, man, sticking your neck out for our brothers, man, and all the young men in the world and in Georgia. You understand? Well, well, uh, I I appreciate that. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'll tell you, it's it's former Sheriff Tom Brown. 
uh, and DeKalb yeah. County. That's what I'm talking about. You already knew that, yeah, right? Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm not afraid to, to say that because it happened, you know, yeah. and I, I can prove that it happened because I got my phones and stuff together, but it, yeah. it happened. And, and the, what the, the brightest spot about that, I was so disappointed and I was hurt, but guess what happened the very next day? After he called me a gnat, I was sitting at home and my phone rang. Mm-hmm. When my phone rang, there was this guy who said, Hey, Mr. Bill, I didn't want, my mama told me to call you and say thank you. And I'm thinking, you know, who the heck is this? You know, this deep voice, I was not familiar with. I said, Who is this? He told me his name. And guess what? He was a kid that was in my program like six years earlier. He was from Rockdale County, and he had gotten kicked out of school for doing some stuff with this girl and doing, hanging out with the gangs and stuff, and he had come into my program. And the funny part about it, my program at that time was being sponsored by Bishop Eddie Long. Okay. <laughs> Back wow. in, uh, yeah, it was being sponsored by Bishop Eddie Long. Now, and uh, watch this, watch he this, watch this. called me. <laughs> watch it. He called me and said, uh, Mr. Bill, my mama told me to tell you, tell you thank. I said, who is this? He told me who he was. I said, oh, man, how you doing? I said, what you been up to? Because he was like a sophomore in high school when, when he got kicked out of alternative school and we had to get him back in school and counsel him for almost a year. He told me, he said, well, since I left the program, uh, I'm telling you what I'm doing now. She wanted me to say thank you because next week I'm going to graduate from Vanderbilt University. University Ooh. with a degree in aeronautical engineering. I said, yeah. what? Black guy. He called me, man. And he just don't know. When he called me and said that, bro, yeah. all that nat talk, all this stuff that the dude said about me was yeah. wiped out the window, man. Thank God you, bless man. me to see a greater picture. And I, I told him, man, I said, I appreciate you calling me because he's very bashful. And then I said, I also want you to know that I did what I did because of God, you know, mm-hmm. but also thank Bishop Eddie Long because at the time yeah, he, was, he was going through that stuff. And I said, you know, be, be a bright spot in that situation. I never gonna, I, I'll never be the person that try to kick somebody when they're down or hurt somebody. I don't want to hurt nobody anyway. So, yeah, I'm a you net know, one day and say. the next day. <laughs> Proof is in yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I really hope that we ain't boring people, man. When they call, man, if y'all listen to this podcast, man, check check out Carl Carl Carl. Go to his Instagram. Go to my Instagram, a comedian Coop Deville, C O O P D V E A L, uh, at on Instagram. Go to my Facebook, Coop Deville, C O O P D period V E A L, uh, on Facebook, and uh, just let us know uh, what your your thoughts are, your comments. Any suggestions? Uh, would you like to be on a future show? How can you add to help make this world a better place? What can you do? Because that's the key here. That's the key. We want to laugh and joke, man. But you know who, who make changes happen in this world? A lot of times, man, who use it. And when they use it, you're like comedians or world changes, bro. Comedians yes, can really go out here. And, because we can say stuff that other people are scared to say. Yeah, you know, yeah. we yeah. can say stuff. Use our voice the right way. So yeah, say so it in a way that people are able thing. to process and digest it. You know, 
Yeah. So in a perfect world, as we close out, this is one last one. In a perfect world, what would your life be like? What would you do? What would you want to do? Changes and you want to make happen, whatever. In a perfect world, comedian Carla Cow. Carl. In a, in a perfect world. And we're talking about across the board, every category. However you want to do it. Just, <laughs> just give me something briefly. We, you know, we don't have a lot of time. Well, so. I would say in a perfect world, man, um, I would like for just my family members and friends, even neighbors, to be able to communicate on a level where we really understand each other and love each other and care about each other, man, you know, uh, and help each other's dreams come true. You know, if you got somebody supporting you in your dreams and whether it's a family member, a stranger, whoever, and they got that love in their heart, man, I think it'll help everybody to be better people. For me, I just believe that we help support one another in each other's dreams and understand each other, then that's going to be that perfect world, man, operating in love. All right. That's what I'm talking about. Enjoying each other, man. Thank you so very much for coming, man. And I hope you come back again. I would hope this is not going to be a one-time thing because we got a lot to say and I'd like to meet your wife and hear what she has to say and let you hear what I have to say with my wife and kids. I didn't mention it then, but I am a father. You got girls and how many sons? One son. Huh? One, I got three girls, one son. I got three grandsons and one granddaughter. Okay. Well, I got four boys. You know, I uh, got four boys, three of them, two of them graduated from college and the other one is in college right now. And then I have one that's 14 who's in the, uh, a freshman. So you're saying, so you're saying your ball's so tight you just had boys, you, you couldn't pop a little softy girl out of there, man? Y'all close the nah, shop, man. Hey, hey, you got you got to work hard. You know, I'm a hustler. You got to, you got to dig deep. <laughs> she I'm had them on one side, man. man. You know what I'm saying? Hey, you trying, to, you trying to get me in trouble. You trying to get me in trouble, man. Y'all can always get, get a kitty cat, man. Put him out there in the yard. <laughs> thank you man for coming. I mean thank you for listening y'all uh, if y'all like what you hear take some of this what we're saying whatever and spread the word this is Bill Talk my name is Coop DeVille and uh, again spread the word be positive go out here and make a difference and let your actions speak okay yes, let your actions speak and that's all we ask. Whether you white, black, rich, poor, Democrat, Republican, hey, if you ain't skinny with curly hair, light skin, joke, I can't stand. I know about all anyway. that. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you ain't doing nothing, if you just talking, we, we call it that. You just shit talking. That's and right, that ain't man. what it's about. <laughs> this is episode three, Bill Talk. Thank y'all for listening. And we'll see you. We'll see you. God bless.